crazy story, by the way. I shot my first animal wearing Birkenstocks. <laughs> a female yoga instructor from Seattle comes rolling up with her two male students. I don't know any other location to go. Like, you are literally ruining my hunt. A 9 to 13 inch bipod is ideal for the uphill and downhill angle shots. Be prepared and comfortable shooting out to 500. Why would I leave a food source that I'm already really enjoying to go chase a sound that I don't actually know much about? Why would I go for an ice cream cone when I'm eating a donut? <laughs> Let, let's simplify it. It's not overly complicated. It just takes time. Everything else will take care of itself. This is Johnny Mack with a Soulful Hunter, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Stay soulful. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. Our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it. Those fields of tofu, that was formerly habitat for wildlife. You're killing off wildlife by being a vegetarian just as much as a hunter when he kills a deer. I'm like, well, you see that bush right there? <laughs> There's your bathroom. <laughs> My dad wears a Levi jacket. He sits in front of a sagebrush and he tells me the best camo is hold still. Not that Donnie Vincent this, but be relentless in everything you do. Don't crap out, go back to the truck with excuses or whatever. Okay, assume I get a deer. How do I cut it up to fit into a Honda Civic? Just get outside. Just get outside and go. Because once you do, it's all gravy from there. Hey, this is Zach Griffith. This is Hannah Barron. This is Jason Phelps of Phelps Game Calls. Hey, guys, this is Cody Rich from the Rich Outdoors podcast. What's up, guys? This is Chad Mendez. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, y'all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all, so hopping into today's episode here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, currently being stalked by a drone above us, and it's... I'm mostly irritated about it because it's cold now. It's like having the air conditioner on you. Dude, I, I, um, I'm a sweaty person, man. It's like, give me as much fan as possible. <laughs> well, so if y'all don't recognize the dulcet tones of that, that sweet, sweet voice, that is the soulful man himself, Johnny Mack of the Soulful Hunter podcast. And we've got like... We got some live music we got going. like blues harmonica happening right as I introduce that. That just seems like it's meant to be. No I'm not sure if you all can hear that, but that was just like the timing on him rolling in with that was like, yeah, perfect with the Soulful Hunter podcast. You may have to like change your intro music now, Mo. Uh, dude. I I think uh, I think I'm gonna have to go record this right now and then be like, man, I have permission to uh, use this. Hey, homie, I need you in the studio now. <laughs> But yeah, we are here at Western Hunting Conservation Expo in Salt Lake City. We're hanging out in front of the Rockman booth, giving them some love since they're letting me steal their table. Um, they make they make some a cool pack system. I did a podcast with them earlier. Um, but I'm here, like I said, with Johnny Mack, <laughs> founder of Washington Backcountry, host of the Soulful Hunter podcast. Yep. I'm glad we were able to finally sync up because I totally ghosted you. Like, Dude, you're, you so were the badly. ghost man. I was like, Sam. 
what the heck, man? Where's the <laughs> podcast love, brother? From one producer to another, one oh, host man. to another. No, uh, I saw you two years ago. So I've been listening to your podcast since it was Living Country in the City. Yep, yep. Love the logo, all that. Uh, and, I, and so I've only been hunting eight years. Okay. And so this is my eighth year of hunting. And two years ago, I came to the Western Hunting Expo to give a presentation seminar on the next generation of hunters. Okay. You know, it's so easy in life. It's take a kid hunting, take a kid fishing. But when it comes to adults who want to get into it, there's whether it's ego or whether it's, I don't know, I don't want to give up my spot or, you know, just there's so many barriers to entry that I was like, no, I need to, I need to present. So that's my mission is mentorship is conservation. Like you want to, you really want hunting to last for generations to come. Then you need to invest in the lives of people. You hook the heart. You don't just hook that person. You hook the lineage. Mm -hmm. I'm now a father of three, three boys. I'm here with iron will Weber, who was uh, one of my mentees two years ago. I took him on his very first hunt. He has two boys and it's not just about boys. Just ironically that we all have uh, boys, but now the, the lineage of conservation, conserving for the next generations happen because there's a willingness, there's an openness, there was dropping the ego, being mm-hmm. real, and being welcoming. And teaching myself how to hunt was really, really hard. And so I was like, okay, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I created an Instagram account, Washington Backcountry, because my very first animal I killed was a black bear nine miles deep in the backcountry of the state of Washington. All right. And all so right. I was like, Washington Backcountry. And that's a crazy story, by the way. I shot my first animal wearing Birkenstocks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've taken one, I've taken my first turkey in Crocs and my second turkey in flip flops. Yeah. So <laughs> there we go. So. Uh, so did that and had 13 people show up. I only had like 200 and something followers at the time. Five of the 13 I knew, right? (laughs) (laughs) And there's people that just showed up all over. Uh, and then I just started hosting community events and I wanted to, I wanted to, I want to go deep, man. Mm -hmm. The soulful hunter. it sounds weird, but I don't feel like I could name myself any, (laughs) anything different because I, I rather go deep than wide. Okay. And, and so mentoring is not just like, a, hey, let's sit you down and run you through how Onyx works and digital scouting. It can be. It's an and life, not an or life. It's yeah. not this or that. It's this and that. So taking somebody on their first hunt, but then following up with them, preparing them, investing in their family, investing that time. And at the same time, like, hopefully you like the person. I would rec- <laughs> I'd recommend like my time is valuable. I'm a school teacher during the day and I can only take unpaid time off of work once every five years. So other than that, it's like weekend warrior status for me. And and so my hunts are, you know, it's my time. So, you know, make sure you're with somebody that you actually want to be with in the back country. That's well, that's, that's one of those things, man. It's tough sometimes when you're limited on the time you can hunt, you know, it's easy. It's and, you know, this is, this is me totally being down on a lot of my friends right now. Like, it's easy when you hunt for a living. Like, yeah. when you work in the industry full-time. And, I mean, I, you know, I say this. I work in the industry full-time. But, I, but, you know, when you have this time, when you're in the field, like, 300 days out of the year, you, you can afford to take, a, take three days to, right. to take someone out a little bit more. And, you know, this is not me, this is not me saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, like, this is a valuable thing to give up. Like it, it's fully understandable. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it is a valuable thing. You're limited on the amount of time you get to hunt. And when this is your passion, um, so you, are you sure you like the person? <laughs> yeah, no. And, and so being a school teacher, I had a, I had a professor in college. He told me, he goes, as a teacher, he goes, there's going to be some people you're just allergic to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Okay, I get that. And that's just the reality. At the end of the day, um, you know, the Bible says don't cast your pearls a swine. And I'm not calling it like that sounds <laughs> rude. I don't. But it has to do Listen, with. There's some there's some swine people out there that just aren't. Invest in somebody that's going to bring value. Right. So Let's I, always, just say that. I always say you can't outgive good. But a part of that mentorship is conservation is investing time in people that also want to pass it forward yeah right and i guess that's kind of the root of it is is you can't outgive good and 
when you love somebody, I mean, dude, I going going Bible talk. Like, there's no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for another. Mm-hmm. And laying down your life is is selfless. It's not actually, you know, not that you actually have to take a bullet for somebody, but it's sacrificing your time mm-hmm. for somebody. Mm-hmm. To, for the betterment of humanity, for the betterment of your community, yep. for the betterment of connection, because you never know what's going to come. Be present in the moment and also invest in the future and enjoy the ride. Hell yeah. And, and that's like why I'm down here giving a seminar, Black Bear Hunting 101. Like I, if no one asked me as I'm up there on the stage giving my presentation, like, how long you been hunting? Like, whoa, dude, you've been doing this for years and years. No. <laughs> Washington backcountry was founded in 2017, which means I killed my first bear five years ago, six years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's a wild ride, but it's fun. But spreading the good news. That's yep. all. And that's what you do as well. Absolutely. Like, I always say inspired people inspire people. So you live that inspired life, and it naturally just exudes out of you, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's contagious, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, you smile at somebody. It's natural to smile back. Uh, and I just want this world to be a better place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you started hunting eight years ago. What prompted it? What got you into hunting? Like, why on earth would you pick this up as randomly as an adult? Brother, it was a call upon the soul. It was. I always always wanted to hunt but I was too scared to live a life for myself and I was searching for love and acceptance in a lot of different other areas and finally I went through some experiences where it was like no more I'm doing the life that I want to do uh and then that was it. And so I was also a high school football coach. And high school football starts, you know, roughly August 17th or whatever in the state of Washington. And for the longest time, I was always a backpacker. A backpacker. I used to work at REI. You know, like, this, that was my life. I rock climbed, I mountain biked, I snowboarded. I did all this. But I always wanted to hunt. But I was a coach in football and you know, it's fall. Like, yeah, I didn't know anyone. No one would be like, Hey, you want to hunt? Let's do this. And so when I learned that black bear opened August 1st and the concept of public lands was the same land I was hiking, I could hunt. And I was like, mind blown. And I feel like when you're, when you're so removed, like if you've been hunting for years and generations and generations, like you forget the simple stuff that is life-changing yeah and so just putting a couple pieces together instead of going on 90 mile backpacking trips around mount rainier and the pacific crest trail i head out head out into the backcountry with a rifle and i'm bear hunting and i became a bear hunter and then like the the rest is history and why i'm here and so now i want i want to hear about this i want to hear about this first I love hearing. I love hearing first animal stories. Like that's those are the best. I think because I think it. It also takes back. It doesn't matter if you haven't harvested your first animal. You just did it a year ago, or whether you did it forty years ago. It's something everyone can connect and be inspired by, and it excites everyone. Reminds them of their own stories, or inspires them to yeah. go out and get their first. Yes. Animal. So these are my favorite stories. Okay. Are you ready for this? Because this is—I don't know if I'm ready. Hold on, let me let me stand up so I can sit back down. Okay, I'm sitting this down. This is not your typical. This is not your typical uh, hunting story. I actually get a kid. I love, I love. Everyone loves to share their stories, but I feel like people really would enjoy this one. So here I am, like figuring out how to hunt like what am i doing like am i when i see a bear am i even going to recognize it you know because <laughs> that was one of the like self doubt like yeah i know what they look like in the zoo i know what they look like in a book or on tv but real life like, like am it, i going to be walking through the woods and be like oh hey look a bear right or is it just going to kind of look past it yep. yeah and so uh the backpacker in me is was like okay we're going nine miles we're setting up camp for this location and we're going to see what happens. And a lot of people are like, nine miles for a black bear? Like, get out of here. It's like, that's my jam. Like, <laughs> like, if you don't have anything else to hang your hat on, like, that was the thing that I could do before 
football started and, and all that. Yeah. So, so I head in. And we set up, it's like 90 degrees and, and just a giant heat wave. Beautiful location, got great vision, and just really enjoying it. And, you know, being new to hunting, it's always like, get away from people, get away from people. And so it was like, okay. Nine. We all listen to a little too much Randy Newberg, and suddenly, you know, we're like, we got to be seven miles. We got to be nine miles from the road. Right. So I'm like, okay, get away from people. So nine miles, that should be enough, right? Like, we should be good. So we get up there, and, and when I say we, I actually recruited two other guys who were n- new hunters, never hunted, like, to come with me, because I was also scared. This is a big courage thing for me as well, because... Yeah. I was laying in my tent that first night thinking, oh, man, I hope a bear doesn't come into camp. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait, no, no. Like, I have my rifle. That would be easier. <laughs> so I, we're here in a spot. We spot some bears. We're glassing them. But they're like 1,000 yards away. We're not going to be able to make a move, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, rough, rough, rough. I'm like, is that a dog? No, no later, a female yoga instructor from the from Seattle oh. comes rolling up <laughs> with her two male students, which I don't know what they were trying to do up in the mountains, but oh, those three and their dog. And I'm like, this dog's barking. I don't know any other location to go. Like, <laughs> you are literally ruining my hunt. <laughs> or so I thought. So we're glassing, trying to stay away. Oh, they walk up to us. They're like, why are you guys wearing camouflage? Like, we're hunting. What are you hunting? Black bears. <gasps> you can hunt black bears? Oh, yeah. Wait, there's black bears around here? Like, like it was. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, man, you should have brought the dogs. see the eyes open up a little bit, all that. So I feel like the hunt's ruined. It's super hot out. Uh, we're getting ready for dinner and then going out for the evening hunt. We're, we're camping by a little water source, and the dog's splashing around in it, and all of a sudden she goes, there's a bear! <laughs> and, and I'm like, you cuss on your podcast? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, no fine. fucking way. <laughs> my two buddies, they grab their rifles, and I'm like, I'm going to grab my bino harness, because yeah. I don't really, like, they, based off the interaction earlier... Like, there's no way that this is for real. Like, you're just pulling my chain. Your dog's been barking. All of us here. So I slip on my Birkenstocks because my camp shoes. It's a little granola in me. You know, I used to work at REI, all that. And so my other two buddies, they they take off. And I kind of meander up to her. And I was like, did you actually see a bear? And her face is just ghost white. <laughs> and and I, right there, I'm like, okay. I was like, where'd you see it? And she points. And it was like 80 yards away from us at the time when she spotted it. And I was like, okay, which way did it go? And she went that way. And so I caught up to my buddies. They're standing there just like looking around, looking around. And all of a sudden, I see it. It pops out. I go, it's right there. It's right there. Shoot it. Shoot it. And my buddies, they're like, where? 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 I'm like, it's right there. (laughs) And so two-shot Tony, my good hunting partner, he goes, here, take my rifle. And so I go, is it chamber? He's like, yeah. And I just start sprinting in my Birkenstocks, (laughs) running as fast as I can through these... uh, through this trail, through the, the huckleberry fields, oh, I have, I mean, not a fish story. I probably ran like 200 yards. Okay. Like, terrain, I crossed yeah. a creek up. All of a sudden, I, like, I just stopped. And I, and I looked, and this black bear pops out. And we make eye contact. Like, I looked in its soul. It looked in mine. I saw the fear in its eyes. Like, it knew it was going to die. Oh, wow. And and uh, I shouldered the rifle, and I shot my first animal. Just bam. And I got to hear the death moan. All Now, now here I'm telling my story, but yeah. then there's also this yoga instructor and her two male students. Like, holy crap. Like, they heard the gunshot. Yeah. I was afraid to actually touch touch the bear, walk up on it, all this stuff. They're like, is it safe? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so are the yoga instructor, they're still not that far away. Like, they're coming up to... Yeah, well, like, they were... T- the, 
she was pretty cool. She actually wanted to get a good look at it. Yeah. The other guys were like, oh, no. Hey, we're just here trying to get a little something. We we don't want nothing to do with this bear. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was how I killed my first animal. That's crazy. So I felt like I never, I didn't feel like I hunted it. And that was something that I felt really like, I'm not a hunter yet. I'm not a hunter yet. But my buddies, they were like, no, you're a hunter because if you wanted to put us in this position, we are here. Yep. Whether she spotted it or we spotted it or whatever, if we wouldn't have been here in this moment, it wouldn't have happened. Well, here's the thing. I know of countless, like, well-known dudes in the industry, like guys that people listening to this podcast freaking worship. One of their favorite things to do, like they're hunting Colorado, is to hit up all of the all of the hikers, all of the the uh, mountain bikers, all of that, and talk to them and find locations for deer, elk, for bear, especially like. Yep. They're like, oh man, you know, have you seen anything out there? You know, anything I should be worried? You know, yeah. You don't always go up to him and be like, hey, I'm trying to shoot a bear. Uh, you yeah. seen any? But you go up, I was like, oh, you know, maybe you're talking about something else. You're like, oh, you know, you seen any bears? You know, is, any areas I should avoid? Things like that. Uh-huh. I know tons of guys yeah. that do that. Like so, some of the best hunters out there. A little plug for my seminar, but this is actually for all you bear hunters or people that want to get into bear hunting. So in the state of Washington, we have something called the Washington Trails Association. Hiker reports, trail reports, all this different things. And, it, and you don't have to hunt off of a trail, but it's a great highway in. Mm-hmm. And then you can run your ridges or figure out how you want to go. Hikers will do your scouting for you. And this is exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying. Is so in my seminar, I actually have pictures of examples. And so... When are you hunting? Okay, August 17th. Okay, let's go back in the archives of last year, two years, three years, and the hikers are like, the berries are so plentiful. I saw a bear. I saw a covey of ground nine, or, or, or nine grouse and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. And I'm letting them do the scouting for me and then from there now i'm dialing in that general location where's my south facing slopes where's my glassing knobs where's places that i have vision and that is like one of the best resources and i don't know what other states have in regards to that but there's got to be something oh yeah i mean if nothing else go on facebook go on one of these hiking websites that categorizes things by state by location You'll find those groups. There's always, there. I mean, anywhere you're hunting, there's going to be a trail running group. Yep. Like there's yep. going to be a, there's going to be a mountain biking group or something on Facebook. And uh, whether or not they actually let you into the group is a question. You know, it depends on if you what your profile picture is and if you got a public profile. <laughs> right. They may not let me into some of those groups, but. Um, well, yeah, and so like one of the things I'm showing in my example is the trail report, and this actually spoke very highly of hunters, which I loved. Okay, it was saying there was trash everywhere, but the bear hunters, you could tell it didn't come from them because they were displaying proper leave no trace principles. And I'm like, oh, so okay, there's okay. other bear hunters there. And I was uh, like, okay, <laughs> let, let's you know, hunting is adding a piece to the puzzle let's make this picture as best as we can to understand it develop a plan and all that and well it's like i talked to mark Livesey. i you know you want to talk about like scouting for any animal this dude is like the godfather of scouting right um and he always talks about you use every tool at your disposal like yeah i mean you know how it is there's guys like i'm an onyx guy oh my base maps guy oh my guy guy oh i just use google earth he's like Screw that. Use all four. Each one does different things better. Um, Use every tool that's at your disposal. If you want to be successful, if you don't want that as part of your experience, okay. But if your goal is to be as successful as possible, use every tool you have, which includes non-traditional ones and getting information from other people. Why is that any different than me sitting down and talking to you and being like, hey, man, I'm hunting this area. You know, I know you've hunted there before. Like do you have any good spots I should check out or, you know, anything I should be aware of? How is that any different than going to that website and checking out, you know, what those totally. trail runners have to say? Totally. And, and it goes back to the beginning of the podcast, dropping the ego, mm-hmm. being humble. Just, we don't know what we don't know. 
and we'll never know what we, what we want to know if we don't take risk. No risk, no reward. Putting yourself out there, having conversations like this, sitting down, saying we never met in person, I follow you, love to get to know you, and here then we I are. And I ghost you, yeah, and, you're, uh, you, like, you a, like a dick. Sam the ghost. Going to have to change my business cards now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, it a third time has to disappearing ink. once again. The second time you pull the card out, all of the contact information is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, no, you're you're good, dude, yeah, brother. I and I'm, I'm honored that. to I'm honored to be on here and be speaking with you. So, so, uh, so totally self-serving now because so I've got a buddy. Um, I you know I I think we talked earlier. Like bear hunting is one of the things that really inspired me into hunting in general. Um, and it's always been in my head, like elk, you know, the backcountry elk hunting, that's like the romantic picture that I'm passionate right. about, but bear hunting has always inspired me. And like from day one, when I first saw that there's an archery bear season in the regs, I was mm. like, I had no idea. I'm like, that's like the epitome of man being a man right there, you yeah. know, like, yeah. And, uh, and so it's always captured my imagination and I've, I've gone out a couple of times, but I've never really been able to dedicate time to bear season. And this year I'm doing it. Especially because I have a buddy coming out. He's never been hunting. He's, you know, he's kind of been a gun guy a little bit here and there. He's got some gear. Never been hunting. And so his, like, Christmas and birthday gift is the kind of, his wife is sending him out to hunt with me. Sweet. And I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. But the pressure's on a little bit. Yeah. Because he understands. Like, there's no guarantee about it's, any of this. Like hunting. He, yeah. He, you know, I've, I've made that very clear. I'm like, and you're not a guide. Yeah. And, and that's I think the thing. that's like, a big... Uh, Sorry to interrupt, no, but no, like, no. when it comes to mentorship, I'm not a guide. I'm investing in you, and I don't have all the answers. Exactly. So when you're talking about your buddy coming over, it is pressure. And it's, and it's like, I, you know, Kindos, I made it very clear. I'm like, listen, dude, this could be an absolute exercise in, like, type two fun misery. Like, you know, the, we'll look back and we'll be like, that was fun, but we'll have had a horrible time the entire time we're up there. Right. <laughs> like, it's entirely possible. I just want you to know that I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure we get into stuff, that we both kill something, but I can't make any guarantees. Right. And so, like, you know, again, being totally self-serving, I, and I, want to, I want to kill a bear this year. Like, that is a big thing for me. Yeah. And I want to make sure he has a good time. And so I want to talk to you about, like, okay, I'm in Montana. I got the whole effing state. Yeah. Like, how do I even, like, start to pick an area to, like, dig deeper into right yeah talk to ryan lampers no just that is, i mean honestly <laughs> um, oh trust yeah. me that that plan is in the back of my head uh yeah uh, i love that spring or fall it'll it'll be spring so uh we're gonna I'm, i gotta go back and again talking to mark Livesey. he's told me about those snow layers yep. when he talks about his late season elk hunting and how you can go back through the historical data and see right when you start to get that initial melt yep and so it's probably going to be um, where, whenever I can find that early melt. So probably maybe like April-ish. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, let's, let's break this down as, as best we can without any sort of visuals. You're hunting that, that green line. The, um, you're a fly fisherman. Yeah. That's chartreuse. <laughs> the, that, you know, that snow melt, you need south-facing slopes because we live in the northern hemisphere. And the south-facing slopes are going to get the first growth. Because okay. that's where the most sun is hitting. And so whether it's south, southwest, southeast, as long as it's south-facing, it's going to get more growth. It has to have sunlight. So you in Montana, you got a, you got a lot of opportunity to hunt logging roads. And logging roads are an opportunity for that sunlight to hit the ground layer and get those fresh sprouts. So there is, uh, I actually had a, one of my best pictures I'd love to show you. The, this June, I got a picture of a bear looking dead right in my camera, grass in its mouth. Nice. And I was like, oh my gosh, so this is going up on my wall at my house. Like, best photo I've ever taken. And at the same time, I was like, that's what it's eating. Like, mm -hmm. it's not eating big leafy greens. It is the, the tiny little sprouts. And that's to kickstart their digestion, kick out their plug, because they're not pooping at all during the winter while they're hibernating. They might come out of hibernation, move around, go back in, but they got to kick off that digestion with that fiber. Yeah. That, you know, so south-facing slopes, and you got to have vision. Like, if you want to just walk, as long as you're walking those south-facing slopes, you might run into it, but you got a glass. 
you got to be patient. You got to sit still. And the more vision and land you can cover, the better. Okay. Water resources. Bears drink water nonstop. So creaky creek draws, um, like elk wallow type stuff. Um, the, they're used those as travel corridors. So I got to come to my seminar today. I got the actual visuals, like yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about is if you can find like a creek draw in the middle, maybe it's timbered, maybe it's not, but then you got some opening with logging roads or whatever south facing, because if the brush is too high, number one, the feed's not going to be there, and number two, you can't see them, right? And so if you can't see them, yeah. you're never going to get an opportunity to shoot them. And so... If you feel like, okay, I'm in a good spot, there's water nearby, which is a travel corridor, they're going to drink a ton, I got fresh sprouts, fresh growth, and sit and wait and enjoy it. So, like, what I love about bear hunting is in the fall, you get to sit and wait and pick huckleberries. In the spring, I found so many um, morel mushrooms. I've become a mushroom hunter when I bear hunt in the spring. Uh, So, you sit there. And you might not see a bear at all, but in the springtime, they're always moving. In the fall, they're always moving. In the early May, they're eating off those fresh grasses, but then you also got the, the deer and elk fawn starting to drop. They're going to they're gonna, they're nibble on those and find them if they are, but those grasses... Are, are huge for their digestion and then they're getting into their breeding season mm-hmm. so come late May into June those boars are on the move and if you see a bear on a hillside that typically this is what's different about fall you see a bear on a hillside you'll see him there the next day Okay. in the springtime towards later May into June you see a, a bear on the hillside he, he might be a couple mountains over the next day because they're in search of mating, they're in search of reproduction, and, and all you. that. So, but early spring, it's going to be more like fall in their behavior. Then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're sitting down, hanging tight, and if you're not seeing anything, you're not seeing anything. But this is why I love bear hunting because you use it for scouting opportunities for later. Mm-hmm. My spring bear hunt from two years ago was a great time for me to find i found deer i found elk i ended up shooting a beautiful whitetail uh half a mile from where i shot my spring bear because i made note i was like oh there's a whitetail spot they're right in here okay come the snow season i'm coming right back into here and and in november made it happen so so with that you're sitting tight and the other thing is where there's one bear there's more so, two-shot Tony, which I talked about a little earlier, uh, I wanted to give him a first opportunity. when I, On his first spring bear hunt, I was like, dude, I don't care who spots it, you're shooting first. Yeah. So he, well, that's what I'm planning on doing with my buddy, because he's got this limited window of time. I've got the whole season. I've got fall. I live here. Yeah. But this is his, he's buying his, like, his one tag for the year. Yeah. You know, he's investing a lot of money in this. So, I, he's going first, regardless. We see... Whatever happens, he's, he's taking that first yeah. shot. So he ended up shooting and missing on a bear. And I'd say be prepared to shoot out to 500. That's another thing. A 9 to 13-inch bipod is ideal for the uphill and downhill angle shots. Okay. Be prepared and comfortable shooting out to 500. Because if you're not, you might not be able to uh, close the distance. I got gotcha. you. And, you know, because whether you're shooting across draws or canyons or hillsides, because the other thing, bears, their eyesight's not that good, but their smell is incredible. Yeah. And if you're trying to make a move and they, they smell you, you know, they're gone. So be prepared for longer shots. So tell your buddy, like, get to the range. Know your dope chart. Yeah. Know your bullet drop. What's going to happen? And prepare for that. So he shot and missed. 40 minutes later in the exact same draw on the other side. So I was looking at this hillside that was a southeast facing slope. On the far side of the draw, he shot and missed. 40 minutes later, my bear showed up on the <laughs> near side of the draw, hammered it. If you guys want to see what that hunt is, um, go to Carbon TV, Soul Seekers, episode one and two. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but we also, after I shot that bear, we saw three more bears that night in the same drainage. And they just keep coming because where the food is and where the water is, they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to like digital scouting, if you're seeing heavy timbered areas, 
That's not what you want. You're not you're not spot you're not still hunting. You can, but that's that's not yeah. going to be productive for the spring bear. So you're you're looking for aerial imagery that there's not heavy timber it's on the southwest southeast and you got to have creeks you got to have water sources and then make sure you have a, a vision a glassing spot and sit down and enjoy it and those glassing spots are tough because that's one of those things where you I feel like you can get an idea from like google maps or onyx or whatever you can be like okay this is a potential spot but until you get there yep. you never really know if it's honestly going to give you that open view and so you know it's that's where that's where i'm bad at all all day i'll e-scout all day long i will invest tons of time in that but then i i I shouldn't i need to invest take that a lot of that about half of that time and invest it into on the ground right getting into that spot and and this year that's the goal got some trail cams that are going to be going up well uh, you know this is i think an underutilized resource in the hunting world is call your local biologist Get a hold of your fishing game or whoever like runs your state department mm-hmm. and and call them and be like, who is the biologist? What's the number? It takes some legwork. It is a hassle at times because they're not always gonna answer their phone call and you gotta leave messages and all yeah. that. But allow these other people to do the work for you. Call the biologist. You know, my bear hunt was a spring bear draw. It was a, it was limited entry. So I knew I could only hunt one unit. So I called the biologist and I was like, listen, this is my one time hunt. It took me four years to draw this. And being a school teacher, I only have this amount of window. Mm -hmm. Can you support me on this? And they're going to be like, yeah, they're going to, they're going to lead you in this, in the right direction. As long as you're not got to be humble. Yeah. Right. Don't go in there and be like, Hey, can you, can you tell me all this? Be like, introduce yourself. Yeah. You know, make it make it a relationship, and be willing to give, and and that's that. It, it comes full circle, because that's a great resource that is underutilized by a lot of people. Yeah. So what what are some questions you would recommend? Because um, we got game warden, we got you know game wardens in those areas. We've also got the wildlife biologists, and I, I assume you want to talk to both um, when yeah, you can, if you if you can. Yeah, right. and I've had I've had some years I've had better experience. Like I've gotten the game wardens to call me back. I've gotten a biologist to call me back. I've gotten both. I, you know, and it, it's just hit and miss what their schedules like. Persistence. Yep. Again, is key. Obviously, don't badger the shit out of them, but but at the same time, you can. Yeah. Because so they are in a community relationship role. Yep. Right. They're not just typing papers and research all the time. Like what helps them do their job is public relation. Yeah. So if you've ever heard the saying, like, if you're trying to get access to private land, if you have a kid, bring your kid with you. Yeah. When you go knock on that door, it's the same concept. Like, be gentle. Be humble. Don't, don't be so aggressive to get the information that you're forgetting that you're talking to a human on the other yeah. side. So, like, what questions are you asking? Well, well it, and most of these guys are hunters, too. Right. And so... If you connect with them, they're going to be a lot more likely to kind of give that information. If you're kind of a dick, they're like, I don't want to give up my spots. Totally. Totally. Right? It's it's relationship-driven. So being humble in these relationships, even if you've never seen the person face-to-face, introduce yourself. Tell them what you're about. Tell them why you got into hunting, why you're doing what you're doing. And then there's a there's a story to go along with it, right? Yeah. That the, we always talk about the why is so important, right? So tell them the who, what, where, when, and the why. And yeah, it's, but the one thing I've noticed: make sure you have a, a nice, concise version of that. Yes, because I, you want to be respectful of their time. They're busy guys, so don't don't turn it into a podcast. An elevator pitch. Yeah, have the elevator pitch of all of that. You know, and, and like for me, like I'm going to call up these guys, and I'm going to be like, hey. I'm a Montana resident. I've got a buddy coming into town. It's going to be his very first hunt. Bingo. I just I want to make sure. I just want to you know we're not we don't need big we don't need big ones. I just want to get him into bears. What you know, and then then get into the questions. Yeah. They're going to be a lot more likely to. And then you telling them that story and saying he's coming. This is his first hunt. Like talk about tugging on the heartstrings. Exactly. Right. Like you play play the cards that you have. Mm-hmm. And see where it goes from there. Yeah. Uh, it sounds a little manipulative, but it, it is, but it isn't. It's it's just how you interact with human beings. It's like, 
You just got to learn to do that. Um, we're not saying this to be like, okay, this is how you work over a game warden and a biologist. Like, right. It's just hints well, on. Well, the thing is, because that one conversation, human. you don't know what it's going to turn into. So it's mm-hmm. not. See, this is a, the selfishness thing. What can I get out of it? What can I get out of it? It's like, well, let's let's drop it for a second. How can I also support you? Hey, do you need any information when I'm out? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what can I provide back for you with my boots on the ground? Have you been to this location recently? You know, all of that. Uh, offer yourself up as an opportunity to provide for them, and it's a two-way street. Yeah. So that way it doesn't sound manipulative. Exactly. Exactly. So, so getting into that, though, you know, like knowing you maybe you've narrowed down a few areas, whatever, and, you know, you got calls out to the... Uh, different biologists yep. if, it, if they're not all covering the same area yep. what are some what are the types of questions you would typically ask them like because i remember the first time every you know that was one of the things i did my very first hunt i kind of had some questions prepped and it was a few days before they the, the warden got back to me and i just blanked yeah and i felt like i wasted that guy's time because i wasn't prepared with my questions yeah. like write them down beforehand and, yeah like and i had but the problem is they weren't on my phone they're on a piece of paper on yeah. my desk and I wasn't home when he called. Dude. And so I was just, it, it was just one of those things. And I, I, I told him, I'm like, listen, man, like, this is my first, I did the whole thing. I was like, this is my first hunt. I'm, I'm really nervous about this. Yeah. And I forgot my notes. And so I apologize, like, for being, feeling a little, if this feels a little unorganized. Because it this is. the first type of call I've ever yeah. made like this before. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, I felt like he kind of gave me a little bit of grace. But, you know, you want to be prepared. So, again, yeah, what, what kind of questions yeah. generally should you be asking? So, so I've never, I've never spoken to a biologist out of the state of Washington so far yet. So I don't have experience of like how that looks, but I can tell you from Washington yeah. regards, there's a lot of private timber company that goes under a bunch of different names, but the ownership is the same. And so my first question was, is okay, there's public land. I know I can hunt that. There is timber company lands that is accessible I heard that this timber company land allows walk-in only. I heard this company is asked by permission. You got to make sure you have advanced. I like, who owns this land? Who is? And they're like, oh, that. Oh, I think this company mm-hmm. actually owns that. And that's one of the things is the innocent type questions because I actually didn't know. Yeah. All of a sudden, opened up different. You know, Montana is notorious for checkerboard oh, right yeah oh yeah and so that checkerboard fill in the gaps like oh i actually can hunt this land but i only knew that because i talked to the biologist or the well, warden the, the, i will say the one nice thing we have in montana is the block management uh areas yeah which those are and don't just rely on those i'm not saying to just rely on those but we do have you have an added layer of visibility on some of these areas which are like publicly like hey yeah this is private land but as long as you sign in or whatever happens yep. to be you can hunt there but again, don't discount asking those other questions because there are going to be places they may not do block management, but you're talking to a warden and he's like, oh yeah, you know, like as long as you're not trying to shoot a, shoot any elk, he's, he's usually fine with, uh, you know, you either passing through the property or, you know, using it as an access or yeah, like taking a bear on that property yeah. or taking, you know, whatever you're hunting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the... Predator management. It's like a lot easier to get access to private land if you're not asking for a, a deer and you're saying, can I hunt coyotes? Yeah. Right? Well, the bear topic is the same thing. Is I'm going for after bear. What what density are you seeing? I can see a report for the whole unit, mm-hmm. but in this northern section of this unit, would you recommend me spending more of my time up here? And you need to make sure you have like predetermined information to give them rather yeah. than I'm a blank slate. What can you fill my plate up with? Well, and, and it's important to have that regardless because you're going to need to call the warden for that area. You can't just call any warden and be like, hey, and he's like, dude, I've never even been to that side of the state. Right. Like, sorry. Yeah. And they're not going to, they're going to feel like you're wasting, again, you're wasting their time. Um, and knowing, knowing what to act, ask the biologist versus the warden, and there's going to be crossover. Right. Like stuff like population densities. The wardens will have that more anecdotally. The biologists will have that like kind of data driven. So know what to ask yeah. each person you call. And it's, it's, you think about what they do, 
it should be fairly easy to figure out right. which questions you're asking. Like, and the other thing is, is like, as you know, this industry is small. The hunting world is small. So the biologist that I spoke to on the phone. I ended up going from a spring bear hunt in the morning that we parked at the lock gate because we had it was walk-in only. Uh, department of Fish and Game person rolled up, and I was like, "And who? Uh, the guy was trapping wolves, doing wolf research." Okay. And I was asking him questions, and I told him that I spoke to a biologist, and mm-hmm. and, and I remembered the name. And this, names are important, right? Yeah. So, like, what's in a name? It gives value to a human. Like, you actually left an impact and, and yep. all that. So, so I said, hey, I spoke to so-and-so. And he's like, you did? That's my girlfriend. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know. You are, you've. Instantly, all the work you've done to develop the connection when you spoke with her, you've immediately developed with that person. It gives you yep. legitimacy. Yeah, it's rapport, yeah. right? And so I was like, dude, you're trapping wolves? Like, can we come? I kind of want to, like, yeah. <laughs> like, how is this going about? And so then at the gate, I had an interaction. And then it was more like, you know, here's what, yeah. If I was hunting, this is what I would be doing. And my original plan worked out exactly how I wanted it to. Um, but that's the type of stuff. You never know what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And being, so, being kind. Don't be a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so asking about, uh, asking about area, like area ownership, access, things like that. That's good for game wards. Asking about population density, that's a good question for both. Yep. What are maybe some other questions you might ask a biologist? Uh, you know, I... It's a great question because I don't... Well, what... I mean, just from my experience, one yeah. of the things I've always learned is asking about elevation. Where... You know, especially like once they once they're kind of oh, coming right, out, right. Yeah. asking like, so you know, all, what have you seen as far as the snow melt? Uh, what have you seen? Where you? What elevation are you seeing those bears at? Right. Because it'll help you if you're not if you're not glassing as much, especially if you're walking, you can pick. Yep. Those those lines a little bit better. You know, that's that's a great one, and thanks for filling in the gap right there. I was hunting an area that didn't have snow line. And so that was that if you're hunting a high elevation where there is a snow line and that's what you do want to be hunting, I'd be asking that. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been there recently? Does anyone know what what it looks like as of right now? What can I expect in maybe a week or mm-hmm. or you know, a couple weeks? What has the history been? You know, it's a farmer's almanac. Yeah. Any question that you would want to research in a farmer's almanac, you get to talk to a person about but about a specific area. Yeah. Um, and that's and then shut your mouth and open both of your ears. We got two ears for a reason and one mouth and listen. Because once someone starts to talk, they're more than likely going to continue to spit out a lot of stuff that you might not even be aware that you want to ask. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's going to cue a lot more questions. You sit down, it's like speaking with anyone, it's having that conversation. When you're too busy thinking about the next question you want to ask, you miss these cues that would probably cue up a lot more valuable responses versus, you know, and, and people can tell when you're not not engaging with them, not yeah. listening, and and they're going to be like, you know, why am I going to spend my time on you? You're not listening to what I'm telling you anyway. So, Yeah, so when you can talk to them about, like, the deer and elk fawn populations and all that, like, where are you having predator issues? Mm-hmm. And that, that's another another angle of asking the same thing. Yeah. Right? Because they may not be seeing bears, per se, but they know that they're having a huge predator issue, and it's either going to be wolves, cougars, or bears, right? Yeah. And if you know it's not a wolf area or you know the cougar population is lower because you're talking to this biologist, well, it's one of those three, and then you can narrow it down from there. So we've talked a little bit about uh, the, the water access. We've talked a little bit about the south-ish facing slopes. Yep. What are, are there other features that people should be looking for? Or obviously the open areas as well with yeah. that, that will have the, the new growth, the, yeah. the little shoots. Uh, any other features, things to keep an eye out, you know, as you're out maybe on the ground scouting? You know, I mean, I see bear tracks, but typically bear tracks, you don't see bear tracks as often as you see deer tracks and yeah. elk tracks and all that stuff. So when you're to those water features, get down there, look in the mud, all of that. You know, fall bear scat is 
easy to see and abundant. Like, you know, I used to be a produce man. And so <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, doing all the fruit and vegetables in the back, I was just hammering all the fruit, like watermelons for days. And I'd have to go to the bathroom a lot. And so when they're eating a diet like that, they're, they're going to the bathroom yep. a lot. So spring scat, you're not going to see as much. Um, and that, it's going to be bright green, like fluorescent, the super green but if the sun is hitting it it's going to turn black and so when you're looking for those types of sources it's not going to be as abundant in the springtime okay so it really is let's not let's not overcomplicate it Let, let's simplify it is there a heavy use water source that is consistent not going to just dry up yeah is it a year-round source do i have vision and you put these couple pieces together and have patience because it it's not overly complicated it just takes time yep and and being there and then everything else will take care of itself so do you find that as far as you know say you're on a glass knob whatever mm-hmm. you got you've got good visibility of, of a few of these clearings things like that you see a bear moving through it you know he's not hauling ass through there but you know he's feeding his way through this clearing, eating yep. some grass, whatever it happens to be. How long do they stick around something like that typically? Like, am I going to, you know, have time to get in on that to that 500, sub 500 yards? And that's the thing. They're always on the move. Yeah, you'll have a bear that's just a lazy bear that wants to just take a nap and all that. Awesome. Make a move. But most of the time, when they're up, they're feeding. And when they're feeding, they're moving. And there's no purpose, rhyme, or reason. They are the most random animals. Like, bears do what bears do, and they just wander. So, no, enjoy. Don't rush yourself. Yeah. But you got to be able to put a game plan in. Is there is there thick timber, and I do I only have a minute? Or are they out in the opening? Yeah. And then I have some time to play it. What's is, the wind doing? Is this doing? like a small little opening in the trees, or is it like... A, a pretty wide well, face on a hill or I something. I would recommend wider, right? Yeah. Because if you're going to glass just a small area, that gets super boring very quickly. I love to, you know... Well, I'm, fit, I'm imagining, fit. like, you're on a spot where you can see multiple areas yep. and, and a yep. wide wide swath. So I'm thinking, like, okay, you know, maybe you got a couple openings over on one side. you got, like, a big face that's kind of open on the other side. That's kind of That was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Like, Let me show you a picture right here. And all the listeners, you guys can't see this, but... All the listeners but, can uh, suck it. Yeah, you, got, you can envision what I'm talking about. So here's a spring bear spot. Okay, yeah. So it's a timbered creek. That is about 1,200 yards across. Right on the near side of the timber is uh, just under 500. Okay. So I have a lot of vision, and then I can work different angles of this knob. But they see how green that is? Yeah, there's a lot of And so if I'm right catching there. the bear over by the, the thick timber, it's you don't have much time. It's a little dicey. It could be dicey if he's not feeding up. Or but, but if you catch it out in the center, it's like, okay, I got, got it. it. I got a little bit of game plan. The bear was missed on this side. The bear I shot was on this side. Oh, okay, that's the, where you were telling me. I yep. get you. So, so, so here's a question. How do you, what, have, do you have any experience with predator calling for bears? Yeah. So predator calling, the best time to predator call for bears is in October, November. Okay. They have to pack on as many calories as possible. and That's when they're looking for the meat. Right. Other than that, I mean, you yes, you can predator call for bears at any time. The success rate, you're not, why would I leave a food source that I'm already really enjoying yeah. to go chase a sound that I don't actually know much about? That's kind of how I look at it, mm-hmm. right? It's like, why would I go for an ice cream cone when I'm eating a donut? Yeah. <laughs> I'm really. Or, the, or, or just because you heard a rumor there was an ice cream cone. Right. But you got a donut in front of you. Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, predator calling. I would say, you know, a lot of the times when I predator call for bears, it's close quarters. And that's later season. And the reason is, not like coyotes, bears... You know, you might have a coyote show up in four minutes, three minutes. You know, they always say, like, give it 30 minutes. Yeah. Black bears, they say, call for an hour. Oh, because Because they'll eat, they'll wander, they'll eat, they'll wander. Yeah. And so in order to captivate and keep that attention, it takes a while. So that's why 
if it's if I'm predator calling, I'm tight quarters on fresh sign, and I got the wind at my back. So depending, because close quarters, I don't have that visibility, but I know the signs there. Yeah. I know they're in here, and I have the wind at my back specifically because I want them to come in front of me. So they circle around. To catch that wind, they circle around and in front of I, you. And then I can see it. I get you. Yeah, it's I totally different than, like, keep the wind in your face the entire exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, predator hunting. However, I always carry uh, a predator call in my bino harness whenever I'm hunting. Well, it seems like because it could be a good last-ditch option. You know, you, yes. Maybe you haven't been seeing much. Yep. You finally see that one bear, but he's feeding away from you or whatever it happens Try to be. Trying to get him to stop. It, yep. If nothing else, it might get him to slow down enough, for, especially if you're hunting in pairs. You can have one guy calling and watching the other guy while the other guy's moving in. Totally. And you could set up something a little bit better. Yeah, I'd say it may not be as effective, say, during spring, but it's still a tool in your arsenal yes. for when you've exhausted the others. Yeah, if all you got is a flathead screwdriver, you're not going to be able to do that much work, right? Exactly. You, you need that Phillips. You need that hammer. You need that saw. Except I can never find my effing flathead when I need it. <laughs> Stupid light switches. But, yeah, um, that, and that is, that's huge. Like, that's a good little piece of advice. I always just keep that predator call because you never know. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you've been sitting here for a long time and you're like, I know this is a good bear sign, uh, area. Blow it. Yeah, why not? What, what is it going to hurt? If you're not seeing them, blow that call. Maybe you will pull something out of the timber. If nothing else, you make it a coyote for that. Exactly. You, need <laughs> you get to plug something. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's exactly how I look at it. That's awesome, man. So if folks wanted to hunt down Washington Backcountry, the Soulful Hunter, yep. on the interwebs, where can they find oh, yeah. you? So we got a website uh, with a lot of cool information. I have a Hunting 101 series that I wrote that I'm always uh, adding to it. But wabackcountry.com, okay. or you can go to soulfulhunter.com, different landing pages, all the same material. Um, you can find the podcast wherever podcasts are found and download the app on your phone or on Roku, Fire Stick, um, Apple. Apple TV on your on Android and iOS is carbontv.com. It's like Netflix for hunting and fishing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're part of the Waypoint t- uh, network, right? Yeah, so, so Waypoint similar. They've got they've yep. got that. Um, I gotta get definitely gotta give them some love. They've got some oh, great, absolutely. great hunting shows. So out I've there. spoken to Waypoint about bringing my podcast onto their platform okay, as well. Yeah, so yeah. the captain um, uh, Zach, Zach, Zach Rollins, Captain Zach. Yeah. yeah. So I've spoken to Captain Zach quite a bit. Um, so I might be joining the Waypoint yeah, network here go. soon. So awesome, man. So uh, what about Instagram? Where can they find you on Instagram? Yep. So uh, Soulful Hunter Podcast or uh, Washington underscore Backcountry. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I would like to close out with so say. You run into someone, you know, they find out you're a hunter, and they're like, man, you know, that always just seems so cool. You know, I've, I thought, I always thought about doing it, and but then I looked into it, man, there's, there's so much to buy. There's so much to learn. It's too complicated for me, man. I don't know. So I never, so I never did it. Like, what kind of uh, encouragement would you give that person, or words of wisdom would you give that person? Oh, this is a podcast all to itself. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, love, oh, yeah. I love this. Okay, so first off, I love to identify what do you want. What do you want out of hunting? You say you want to hunt. So what do you want? How much time do you have? What is, are you wanting to do the fall, the winter, the spring? What type of experience do you want? Because if you don't know what you want, it's overwhelming. So let's narrow that down. Because maybe you might be a waterfowl hunter. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just want to chase turkeys. I got into hunting specifically to hunt coyotes because it was year round. Yep. Like that one, I was a gun enthusiast. So I had an AR and coyotes were year round. That was what I, I wanted to start hunting. Well, so you bring that up. And that, that is honestly so often for people a, a good question to ask to start out is what gear do you already have? Yes. Like, do you have a gun? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, do you have a bow that you shoot? Like, are you an archery person? Like, yeah. Because that will lower the bar of entry so much for them. Where, like, if they already have a shotgun and they don't have to go out and buy a rifle or whatever, yeah, yeah you may be like, oh, no, yeah. Start out, just hunt some upland game. Go duck hunting. Yeah. That's going to, you'll have to buy less stuff. And it'll it'll let you know if it's something you're interested in. Right. You know, and it's, it's you may eventually want to, yeah, bow hunt for elk in the mountains. But at least this will give you an idea if, like, yes. hunting is e- just even in your wheelhouse. And you may get that. You'll be like, it was okay. You know, it's just not something I want to do. I 
I think I'm just going to be a hiker. What I come into contact with most of the time is everyone wants to be a deer hunter because they think that's what hunting is. Getting into it? All, all I thought hunting was, until you'd been doing it for 20, 30 years and you had thousands and thousands of dollars, I thought all hunting was was sitting in tree stands for animals, yeah. like for, for deer. And I knew you could hunt other stuff, um, but it was either like upland game or you were sitting in a tree stand for deer. Right. I did not know any of this existed until right. you were like rich. So I, and this is why I always tell people black bear hunting and probably waterfowl are probably the easiest, well, and coyote hunting, but coyote hunting can get really depressing very quickly if you're not getting responses. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of eliminate that because that's a good practice tool for everything else. But black bear hunting and waterfowl are the, like the best opportunities because number one, like for example, in Washington, I like to, that's my home state. I refer to that a lot. Black bear opens August 1st to November 15th, any weapon you want, mm -hmm. over the counter. You want to come to Washington, hunt black bears, $250 over the counter, period. Yeah, it's a long season. And so you, so the whole, are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule? No. Okay. Oh, is that to master any skill, yeah, takes 10,000 so hours. So to master any skill, so it's like, okay, how much time do you have to hunt? Because we have to, if your goal is to have success or you just want to connect with nature these are two different yeah. angles of attack so how much time do you have and i'm going to support you on this because i have found my biggest bucks black bear hunting and made note of it and just like i said earlier in the podcast like i ended up killing a beautiful whitetail because of a bear hunt yep and so that season's so long it's less pressure it's a great opportunity to mentor hunters because the pressure's not on. I don't have just two weeks to fill a tag. Yeah. I don't just have this small window. It's not just this weapon. You know, it's, it's archery. I and most states that have bear seasons, they're long. Yeah. Like, especially the fall bear season. Like, yep. spring is a little bit shorter, but, like, you get in that fall bear season. For most states, it starts around the same time that, yep. that whatever the ungulate hunting is, the elk or deer or whatever, starts around that same time. And it goes through till like February half yeah. the time and then you give them a small break and then come spring again we're right know. and so you got to identify what you want and then go from there maybe you have a shotgun from your grandpa maybe like have you taken hunter's safety yet like, yeah. like break first and it. foremost you just yeah I always send them to hunter's safety like have you done that yet and that'll give you some ideas so I had a I had a conversation with uh, with a guy in the state of Washington this year who Ironically, he used to be a school teacher that when I got into teaching, uh, I ended up meeting him. I was a okay. substitute at the time and all that. Well, he ended up contacting Washington Backcountry, not realizing that like <laughs> I was the connection with it. And he was like, I want to learn how to hunt. I was like, okay, well, have you taken your hunter's safety yet? And he's like, no. And because he didn't, I had an opportunity to take him waterfowl hunting. But he, you know, like... Coming on a hunt, like a, a hunt like that, if you want to shoot, yeah. I was like, okay, well, get on this so that I can take you. It is good to take people who don't have that. Like, they don't have to be the hunters. Like, that's a mentorship thing. Yeah. I'm not guiding you. Like, come on a hunt that's not your hunt. Learn. Mm -hmm. Don't feel the pressure of, like, having to fill a tag. Like, really take it all in. That's a huge thing. I mean, in... And that's an easy way to give someone your time without it taking away from what you're doing. Yeah, it, you may have to deal with a few things and te be teaching them along the way. You may not be moving as fast, whatever. But it's a good way to give them that time. And suddenly you've got somebody else to split up all the pack weight with. Oh, yeah. To split the pack out with. You yep. know, if you get something, it's huge. Yeah. And, you know, you know give, them a, give them a couple of hams once you're done, you know. And, Absolutely. And call it a day. Yeah. But, but that, like... Just that little bit. Find what they're interested in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, are you a father? No. Okay. At least not that I know of. Right. <laughs> Very good. Mom, 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 don't listen to that. Sorry about that. So I'm a father of three, three boys. <laughs> yes, I want them to hunt because I like to hunt. And I played college football and college lacrosse. And I played sports and these different things. However, if that's not their jam, what do they like? And this goes back to the what do you want thing. Yeah. Like, everyone has an opinion. Very few people have perspectives. And perspectives come with 
with experiences. Yeah. And so allowing them to experience things then narrows it down and then we'll go from there. And then we're off and running. Let's do it. And then we're transforming lives through primal adventure. Amen. Well, on that note, man, thank you so much for sitting down. I'm glad we were able to finally sync up. It some days with me, man, it just takes takes a little bit. But I'm glad we were able to sync up and sit down and record this way. I appreciate it, Sam. Thank you. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. Drop a verse, Johnny. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm hot on a mic. It's like riding a bike, a vampire in the night, and I'm ready to bite. I'm hot on your face like you're sprayed with mace. I mean, let's go. We're here at the 2022 Western Hunting Conservation Expo. Oh, that's going in the podcast somewhere. Um... So I don't know if you know this or not. I'm a DJ, also. Are you seriously? <laughs> so that's not too. That's not out of your wheelhouse, then. No. Oh my god.